Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the third installment in our Denis Villeneuve movie review series. Leading up to this October release of Dune, which I absolutely cannot wait for. This is your co-host, Corbin. And I'm Alan. So if you have not heard our previous two Denis Villeneuve reviews, those are linked to in the description below. We're also linking to Christopher Nolan reviews, M. Night Shyamalan reviews. Believe it or not, these two directors were contemporaries of Villeneuve, and in some ways, they still are. Now, some have gone on to greater success. I will not name those who have and those who have not. So before we get too far into the review, as I said, down in the description below, we are linked to other podcasts that we think you'll enjoy listening to after this one. We also have timestamps if you're ready to jump straight into the review. If you want to just jump straight ahead to our final thoughts, our ratings and recommendations, timestamps are always down there. Of course, we are on all major podcast platforms. Wherever you want to listen, we are there. So links to those as well. If you're looking to transfer to another platform, links to our social media pages, also our Patreon page where you get great bonus content and you can also financially help us out to improve Silver Screen Guide as well. And the best way to support us, actually the free way to support us is by just giving us five stars and a short written review. The written review really does help in the algorithm, helps bump us up on the list, and it does help other people find our podcast a lot easier just by taking two seconds to give us five stars. And it also helps us meet our goal of becoming verified critics on Rotten Tomatoes. So while you're at it, just right now listening, scroll on down, click those five stars. That really helps us out. So Corbin, Poe Technique, um, I, I'm get, we're both American, no surprise. Um, right. Do you ever remember like learning about this or hearing about this in any kind of way? This happened in 1989, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but do you ever remember hearing about the Montreal massacre at the Polytechnique, um, university? I think it's a university, a school mm-hmm. yeah. at all. Um, no, I, if, if I did, I would have been, um, too young to even remember it. Um, so no, I don't remember it at all. I never, uh, this name when I popped the movie in, I was like, what in the world does Polytechnique mean? Cool mm-hmm. title. Coming to find out that's the name of the school. And yes, you're correct. It does take place December 6th, 1989, takes place in the winter. This was um, in the decade before I was born. I don't remember anything about it. Um, Alan, do you remember anything about hearing about it? I don't think so either. I don't think uh, we ever really learned about, yeah, the Montreal massacre. Um, So yeah, I think I'm with you. This would have been my kind of introduction to what happened back in 1989. So, yeah. The only thing I remember hearing about this movie is you mentioning it a number of years ago, because I believe you saw this previously. And I remember you brought it up. You're you're saying you were trying to see the rest of Denise films. And I think Polytechnique and Incendies were on there. And I had no idea what you were talking about. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I think I looked up a movie 
that uh, was not this at all, but I thought it was the one you're talking about. It's another black and white movie. And um, maybe it wasn't even, maybe it wasn't associated with any at all. Now I'm kind of mm-hmm. curious. Now I got to look this up later because that's what I, I, that's what I always had the vision in my head was. Right. I know that there is a documentary. Um, and I think when this released on Blu-ray, like you, it came along with that documentary. Now, if it was shot in black and white, I'm not entirely sure. But you're right. Um, this was a film, and I forget when um, when we were talking, but I remember at one time, I was still in college, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I wanted to finish all of Denise's films, and Polytechnique just happened to be put on Prime at one point. And so me and a few of my roommates, uh, we ended up watching it. I remember telling you about it as well. Uh, so that's how I watched it. Now, as I mentioned in the Your Guide, there are two versions of this film. So I've technically seen both. Um, I've, for what we watched, it was the English one. But I did, I have seen the French version, um, which was on Amazon Prime. From my recollection, there isn't much of a difference between the two of them outside of, again, like I mentioned in the background, um, the spoken language. From what I understand, it's pretty much the same. I couldn't find anything anywhere um, that talked about any significant changes to my understanding. But apparently there might have been a different editor with the English version. Um, But again, because this film is rather unpopular um especially here in the states kind of hard to you know find what differences there are i found like an article that had a video linked that was talking about the video in this and it's like this shows how pacing changes a scene and how you edit it but the video had been taken down from vimeo so i didn't know what they were talking about but aside from that that was the only article i found when it was talking about differences so i have seen this i don't know if i was necessarily excited to come back to it and we'll talk about it here in a bit um but yeah this is not my first time watching this it does look pretty difficult to pick up on amazon currently it says currently unavailable we don't know when or if this item will be back in stock so gotcha yeah it is um streaming on a couple different places that you might be able to get a free either subscription or free trial to so this is at least the first of denny's films that isn't hard to get your hands on digitally right but if you want the physical copy you might have a a tough time at at least if you're in the united states right yeah this seems to be a digital only one and whenever streaming services decide to host it um which luckily for me it it was on prime and this time it's on hoopla um but yeah but judging by the trailer corbin Let's say you know the name Denis Villeneuve. You've seen his first two mm-hmm. films. Um, would this be something, now that it's been a number of years since he's had a film released, would it have been something that would, you know, get you to go watch it if you had, you know, I, if you had the means to do so? I think that's the only thing that might intrigue me to watch it is that this is Denis' first feature film in nine years. And I'm on the record. You can go back and listen to our reviews as not being crazy about his first two films i think he shows a lot of promise but judging by this trailer i think the trailer looks weird it honestly looks like it's cut together like a japanese anime trailer or like the intro to a japanese anime um, tv show which is always very long and strange at least to me um 
either that or it looks kind of like an auteur version of uh, To Save a Life or some kind of almost angsty teen movie. I think I think the trailer isn't good and I wouldn't give it a second look. I wouldn't go see it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, but I, I probably wouldn't go see it. Um, but I think for me, it would be more of, you know, while I liked Denis' first two films a little bit more than you did, um, I wouldn't say, and this is, of course, without the knowledge of his later films, I wouldn't say that this would really get me, you know, into watching Polytechnique in the theater. I don't know if a film like August 32nd followed by a film like Maelstrom would be enough, also given the trailer, what the trailer, how, how the trailer is cut together, would be enough to get me in the theater. Maybe, but probably not. I would be more interested to see, you know, after, you know, Maelstrom, where is he going to go? But that would probably be my only, like, this is why I would want to go see it. So I'm with you. Don't think that this trailer would get me in the seats. All right, listeners, if you have not seen Polytechnique and you don't want the film spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now. Go ahead and watch the film. And then after that, come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. Studying to be a mechanical engineer, Valerie has a very important interview today. She could potentially get an internship for her studies. However, the interviewee comes off as confused as to why Valerie, a woman, is getting a job in a profession dominated by men. He states most go for social engineering, makes it easier when raising a family. Meanwhile, a character known only as the killer writes a suicide note for his mom. The misogynistic man has declared war on women, with his goal to make a statement, hopefully eradicating feminism. His plan, murder as many as he can at École Technique de Montreal, or Polytechnique School of Montreal. After the interview, Valerie heads to her next class. In the middle of a presentation, the killer comes in and orders males out of the room and the females to remain. Once put up, he opens fire on them. Jean-Francois later returns to the classroom. Once the killer has moved to other parts of the building, he finds all the women who were in the classroom dead. He later comes across another girl who was shot in the chest over by the copiers, and Jean tries to save her life, all the while dodging the active shooter. To end this tirade, the killer points a gun at himself. Valerie ends up surviving the massacre and goes on to be a very successful mechanical engineer. Now with a significant other and a baby on the way, Valerie is able to move past the tragedy of Polytechnique as credits roll. I gotta say, with this opening, I was startled. I was startled, first of all, because he t we're just, we open on characters that we don't know in a place that we're really not aware of. And of course, there is um, a title card to kind of explain to us afterwards what's going on. But we don't see the shooter coming. It just comes out of nowhere. And I think that's an effective way to start the film with this woman who gets shot. And then we don't catch up with her until quite a ways into the movie. But mm -hmm. it does start with the shooting. And then after that, it cuts to the shooter. So an effective way to start this movie. I am quite startled. I jumped. I was gripped. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is um, a cold open if I have ever seen one. Um, I got to <laughs> say, this yeah. is like you mentioned, it's. It's a really effective way to get you like engaged in the movie or at least, you know, to get your attention. Um, yeah, I'm with you. This opening is startling and scary um, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. everything in between. So I'm with you. It's a very startling opening, but also I've never seen one kind of quite like it, to be honest with you. I've never seen a film open like this that shows shocking, um, but really gets you like hyper focused like, oh, 
this is what I'm in for. And I thought that that was what the film was going to be was um, from the opening shot is when, you know, the massacre starts and doesn't end to the, the end of the movie. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. Initially, that's what I thought was going to happen. And I was like, oh, wow, we're starting off already. OK, of course, it is not the case, but um, because I knew I only knew that it was about a school massacre at the time. So seeing this when I like the first time watching it, I was like, oh, OK, um, all right. Let's I guess get right into it. So, yeah, very effective opening. It's an effective opening. And then at the same time. It is it's surprising as well because we then go to the shooter and the story is kind of told from you could say like three different character perspectives, the shooter, mm-hmm. and then sim- a little bit with the shooter is intermixed with Valerie and then also a little bit of Jeff and then it ultimately gives Jeff his own little segment and then it essentially concludes with Valerie's character and how she's kind of had hope how she's been able to kind of move on from it she still has nightmares over it but ultimately she has to move on with life so i gotta say the editing in this i personally think the editing is fantastic the way the story is told because what immediately jars us we know the shooting is going to happen denis Mm -hmm. is able to build up that suspense just by instilling this sense of dread of just waiting for this to happen. And we see kind of a, a look through the killer's eyes of how he wants to send feminists to their maker in his own words. And there's these really wonderful um, shots just kind of like zooming in on his eyes as he spies on his female neighbor, giving me the impression that he really is longing for a female companion, but he is so frustrated that he feels like all these doors on life have shut him out, that he is just done with the world and he's ready to go out with a bang essentially mm-hmm. um it's very interesting to i don't know if i've ever seen this before either give us this look at the killer and why he's doing what he's doing right right i i agree and you know there have been a couple of movies that i've seen that deal with you know school shooters or something along those same lines but in terms of like not necessarily humanizing the shooter, but in terms of like, you know, somewhat getting into his head, trying to Mm -hmm. understand, you know, why in the world would he do this? That's where I think this film does a bit differently, at least from what I've seen. Um, I'm sure that there are movies that, you know, maybe even do a different job, but from what I've seen, that seems to be the case. And it's interesting that we start off right on the, right on the shooter after the cold open. Um, and we kind of get to see, you know, how his life kind of operates, right? It's right. He's we when we finally when we get to him, which is a flashback from what we at least from what we saw just a moment ago. Um, he is like on the he's he's made his decision, right? His decision is going to be that he's going to wage a war, more or less. Um, it's going to happen at the Polytechnique as well. So everything's set in motion for him to to do this act. All that's left for him is just to do it, right? So when we when we meet the shooter. Uh, or the killer, I guess, is what his technical name is in the film, you know, his mind's already made up. And that makes him also very scary later on when, you know, I, I, I actually, I think it's in the same scene, or it might be later on, later on um, when he's, like, loading things up and getting ready to, you know, walk into the school. Um, we see a shot of him with the empty gun up against his head. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the opening shot after, yeah, that's the, that's the it first is. shot we see after the opening. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it, they, 
this character is very scary because it, it you know we mentioned in um in our dark night review that you know what makes chaos so scary is that it just can't be reasoned with and it seems to be something somewhat of the same case here where you can't really reason with this guy is his mind's already made up you know it makes That's his true. character really scary to think of as a character his mind is totally already made up and we are shown that when he gets all the girls in the classroom he makes all the boys leave and then she says we're not feminists mm -hmm. we we're not feminists at all just because we want to be engineers but he cuts her off mid-sentence by shooting her dead and it is right. utterly terrifying and you're right that is fascinating when the uh, first shot of him that we see is him sitting on his bed pointing the barrel of the gun straight into his head he dry fires the gun there's no bullet in there mm -hmm. but he still flinches which i found to be an interesting um character choice because to me that's kind of showing me he is preparing to do what he's ready to do because he puts himself in the same position once he's done with the massacre he shoots himself in the same way but when right. he, but because he flinches that tells me that he's still not quite sure whether he's going to follow through with it and that's why there is a lot of these shots of him going into his car he even brings the gun wrapped in a bag into the school and he sits down he walks around mm -hmm. It seems like he has a plan, but he's just not quite sure when to execute it. And there is kind of that randomness to it, that chaotic factor to it. That, And that's just what makes the opening so scary and what makes this whole film so scary. Not that, not just because it's a true story, but because right. everyone is so unsuspecting. And it's just like, almost like you have to be on guard. You don't want to live your life in fear. But at the same time, just out of nowhere, these people were talking, they're making copies, and they get shot, possibly shot dead. It's just so tragic and sad. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, for me, in both times watching it, I always forget that, you know, this is an event that really happened. Because, you know, it's mm -hmm. not, we had never really actually learned learned about it in our schools, right? Mom, mm -hmm. like, we've... We've learned about Columbine, which is, I don't know if it, how similar it is to Polytechnique, but that's like, you know, one of the worst in at least American history, right? Um, right. I, I think, I don't remember, I don't know if you were there, but I know on one of our mission trips, we went to the actual, like, um, the actual memorial for it. Um, oh, wow. No, so, I wasn't there. Okay. I, I wondered if you were, but um, I've been to the, the Columbine Memorial. So... It's always, for me at least, both times watching this film, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I always forget watching this one that, you know, this is an event that, you know, actually happened, right? This is an event that um, even though it's played off on the screen as if it's playing out more as a fictional tale, which, you know, the characters are made up, but the situations and what actually, you know, what what actually, what the killer actually does is, as far as I know, is real, Um that always kind of I always forget that oh wait no this is you know a true story you know this actually this whole thing like actually happened um I always forget that and, and now that every time I remember it I'm like oh yeah I tend to think of Columbine because you know similar um things there mm -hmm. so um mm. yeah so I guess that's what makes even this opening even more scary to me is remembering that oh this is a thing that actually happens especially with this character um no one only has it and I like I kind of like it also just only makes it worse, I guess, in my mind, a scarier, I guess, is that the character's name is solely known as in the credits as the killer. He's never given a name. Um, it's it's I think that's what also makes it a bit more spooky is, uh, you know, 
it's almost like it's a thing. It's not necessarily a person. That is a fascinating choice to not put his name into the film. Clearly, he was a real person with a name. But at the same time, I think that's an interesting choice because he is a dehumanizing figure. He dehumanizes these people. He sees them as not worthy of life because of the choices they have made. And then at the same time, he also, you know, dehumanizes himself because he kills himself at the end. And um, he doesn't shoot men, I thought was very interesting as well. He's really only there for the women. And but the it's interesting because the movie starts with him. So in a way, in a way, the movie is at least humanizing him to the point of depicting that he has a mother that other people outside of just him are going to be affected by this. At the end, Val writes a letter to his mom that she's clearly never going to send to the mom, but it's more of a cathartic experience for her to write the letter. And um, he also writes his own letter about how he was rejected by the army because he was antisocial and he's just kind of had all these things that shoot him down in life. And it's a, it's a chilling look into that person's mind. I don't know if that letter was real or not. I would guess that there's a strong possibility he probably did really write a letter like that and left that, uh, which is just really, really crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. um, the other, th other things that I'm noticing right away in this movie are just on the technical side. I think the cinematography is really solid, and that should be no surprise considering... De De Denis' previous two films look fantastic. Um, yeah. There's this really disorienting feeling that as the camera moves sideways through the rows of books and it'll move sideways out of doors until it finally adjusts. And I think that's great because it's just a very disorienting effect and these characters are disoriented themselves. So I, I really don't have much complaints here with the camera work with how it's shot in black and white. It takes place in the winter. It just looks fantastic yeah no i absolutely agree this is a great looking film once again from denis uh like you mentioned there's really no surprise at this point that you know a film from him is going to look good um yeah no i absolutely agree one of the first moments we get where things just seem off even though we uh, despite the opening is when it's going through the shelves in the library you know at a 90 degree angle um it's like just flying by the shelves until it lands on our character um, that's one moment where I'm just like, that's weird. Why would, why in the world, why would he choose to do that? He does a little bit later on with, uh, with Jean, um, when he exits one of the rooms, I forget which room, but he exits one of the rooms and it's again at that same angle, that same 90 degree angle, and then eventually adjusts itself back to normal. Um, and then of course our ending shot is going down the halls of the actual school and it's completely on its upside down. Um, mm -hmm. so the lights are on the bottom and it's flying past the lights. Um, yeah, again, yeah, it's and not just, you know, how he plays with the, you know, the, those few examples, but just in general, uh, with some of the cinematography, again, just looks great. It's nothing new for Denis, but at the same time, I'm glad that, you know, his films almost consistently look so good. I do also really like how the camera is just moving through the school. It gives me a sense of time and space. Mm -hmm. And it just gives me a sense of what the architecture of the school is, which lets me kind of know the time period. And I, I just like that it's, it almost places us as if we were a student in the school. We're moving through the school. We are experiencing mm -hmm. 
what it's like in a school day, but not necessarily a normal school day because we're seeing everything in black and white. There's something that's off. And, you know, honestly, for a 77 minute movie, there's really no rush in this movie. I feel like there's a lot of establishing shots, excuse me. There's a lot of establishing shots of students just studying, of Val getting ready for her interview, um, even yeah. of the shooter taking his last, his last looks of life and the students' faces. It's a very contemplative environment. So I think that was exactly the right instinct that Denis went for, is to not just make this about the shooting, but to make this about, to give us that sense of what it would be like to be there on a school day and then it does a fantastic job of building that dread in us just knowing it's going to happen. Yeah. And I got to say, when the when the bad things really start happening, um, there are moments where I'm just like, man, that just is a scary shot. Like, for example, there's a shot when uh, I think it's when Jean runs back to the classroom. And like, you know, there's like that commons area um, that has like some like a stage and seats and stuff mm -hmm. like that around it. Um, there is a shot where he's like running back and he's like trying to dodge all of like the empty backpacks and it's a wider shot. Right. Um, and you can see almost everything in that area. It gives you just this eerie feeling because no more than a few moments ago, this place was just packed with students like studying, trying to cram before their tests or whatever. Um, and then when we return after, you know, the gunman has come, come in and, you know, everyone's cleared out. Now there's like nothing left but their backpacks that they left behind to save their lives. It's it's a weird, weird shot. And it gave me this really weird feeling. Um, there's another point to, you know, in this case is contrasting from one to the other, from what it was to, you know, what it is now. Um, it does give this, again, cinematography from Denis is on point. It's great stuff. It gives you this really weird, it gives you this really eerie, dreaded feeling uh, in that scene for me at least. I had the same thought um, where I recognized that was some of the closing closing shots of the empty school. Um, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's so quiet. And in some ways, it kind of made me feel like um, John Carpenter's Halloween, where that ends with just the empty shots, but it has Michael's breathing over them. These mm -hmm. were completely quiet. And you can also see that it's dark outside, which makes me think it's nighttime. All of these other school shootings, school takes place during the day. And so it's usually a day outside, but just the fact that you can see that it's nighttime outside, it's winter, it's so dark, it gives you this feeling like it's a nightmare, which is exactly, yep. I'm sure, how it would feel if somebody was really in the situation. It would just be hard to feel that it was even real. Because you're just studying at school, you know, minding your own business. And then all of a sudden, there's this horrible massacre going on. And yeah, all of a sudden, places are empty that were once teeming with people. Very nightmarish quality to it that's captured here. And I, I thought one of the scariest shots um, looks like it's straight out of a horror movie. Look like it was pulled from Silent Hill is um, the shadow of Val through that small window in the door when mm -hmm. she is trying to get out into that kind of stadium commons area like you were talking about, um, there is that blurry silhouette of her with her arms hanging at weird angles and her leg is oh, yeah. all messed up as well. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great shot. That was really well yeah. done. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, um, 
One of the big things, you, you brought this up a little bit ago. Um, this film has like three different perspectives for this like central idea, right? Um, the killer wants to get rid of pretty much every woman or at least make a statement um, about, you know, how feminism is thing that should be eradicated. Um, and then you've got uh, Jean who... Um, is in the same, I guess, I think he's in the same profession as Valerie, um, or at least is, you know, in the same school, of course. Um, and he's almost like he's battling against trying to prevent, um, you know, or would, would like to do more than what he can when it comes to the killer, because he, he does display that, you know, he should have stayed. I think even later on, he mentions that, you know, I should have stayed in the classroom um, when Valerie's taken off on the gurney. Um, but he also saves a lady, the girl we see in the opening, he saves her life, um, by, you know, when he comes across her and then taking the time to actually go and get stuff, risking his own life, uh, to save one more person. Right. Then you, of course you have Valerie who is kind of caught in between, um, the, the killer and I guess kind of John, but of course he's on, you know, the better side of things. And she's the one who's trying to, you know, get a job that as it's mentioned, is male dominant, right? That mechanical engineering. Um, so it's it, you get this interesting mix of someone who's you know wanting to become something but being told that she can't, and then a person, the killer in this case, who is trying his hardest to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, it gets this weird mix of you know perspectives on some some kind of issue, uh, but of course in the end, of course you know Valerie ends up getting the job that she wanted and potentially has, you know, a family that she can raise. So I would say in terms of characters, while I think that they're pretty light in terms of development, they do have a lot of interesting elements to them that just help the story out a lot. There, Yeah, you're right. There is that sad irony to the story as well, where we see Val, who we thought died because of the editing, we come to realize that she actually lives. She actually goes on to become an engineer. She becomes very successful. Whereas Jeff cannot handle the fact that all of the stuff that he's gone through and that he probably feels like he could have done more. And ultimately, he goes out into kind of the barren wasteland and commits suicide. It's horribly sad. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's the sad irony is that the killer wants, seemingly wants women, especially feminists that want to take over what he perceives as male jobs. He wants them out of the job force and he wants seemingly more males to be able to do it. Well, that's the sad irony is that Jeff does not go on to become an engineer. He goes on to kill himself, whereas Valerie goes on to become an engineer and live a seemingly happy, pros prosperous life. Um, yeah, I got to say, especially during the shooting sequences, it was hard to watch. It was very, very heavy. And you were, you were right, Alan, when you warned me last week. Uh, it's it's a heavy movie, um, especially when Jeff goes into the classroom because he he runs to the security guard. Here's some other things that Jeff just could have done, which is I'm I'm sure what he goes over in his head. He should have yelled that there's a shooter or something sooner, but he doesn't tell anybody except the security guard to call the police. And who knows if the security guard actually does it? And then he goes back to that classroom, and Denis 
does not show us his perspective. He just shows us his reaction for a large portion of the scene until it finally cuts to them all lying dead on the ground. That was a heartbreaking scene. That scene really got me. Yeah, and there's also a complimentary scene later on in the story when mm-hmm. um, it tells it from Valerie's perspective, I believe. No, no, I think it's the killer's. I think it's the killer's perspective. It's no, it's Valerie's perspective it? when she lives. When you find out no, she's you're right. alive, yeah, you're right. You're right because the killer goes back in there later on, and you see him actually fire at them. But of course, everything's out of focus. Um, which is definitely a choice by Denis to not, you know, show too much, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't want to glamorize yeah. it. We should say that. Yeah, no, you're right. There is definitely, if this was a movie to not glamorize what's happening on screen, this is definitely not doing that, right? It's definitely not glamorizing the violence in any way here. Um, he, His goal, which we mentioned in the background, his goal was to be respectful, which is why it's also shot in black and white and not in color. So, you know, the blood doesn't, you know, show up, show off too much. Um, mm-hmm. It's the same. I'd say is that is definitely true all the way throughout this film. Even in the scene where we do see the women being shot, it's out of focus. Um, yep. So, Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, he does that out of respect, but he also does that, I think, for a stylistic choice, just because mm-hmm. it is so disorienting, it is so horrible, it doesn't seem quite real, and the shooter never seems quite with it mentally, and we know that he's not, but we just get a lot of close-up on his eyes, he's like, spacing out, and you're right, that is really tragic, it's a shocking twist. When Jeff comes back into the classroom and come to find out that um, Valerie and her friend are technically still alive, but they think it's the shooter. So they're playing dead, but Jeff doesn't say anything. And but honestly, though, who could really blame him? Because it's I mean, who who could even say what they would do in that situation? Of course, we can say, oh, my we would do this and this But when it comes down to it. I mean, I pray we're never in that situation but that's just the really sad part honestly is that he feels so much guilt and we come to find out that his parents are divorced and Mm -hmm. gosh it's it's just so sad because he goes to see his mom and his mom wants to spend more time with him but he doesn't he goes out and he throws up and then he goes and kills himself which is so horrible and in some ways they're actually drawing a parallel between him and the killer because before the killer goes and um, shoots people, he writes a letter to his mom. He doesn't go right. see her, but he at least writes her a letter, kind of letting her know. He writes like, we both knew this was inevitable or something, something horrible like that. Their moms are both brought up in the story. Um, and they both do end up committing suicide. But of course, they're polar opposites when it comes to the actual situation. Um, and in fact, I even kind of got both the killer and Jean messed, uh, mixed up because they both have beards in the beginning, but the killer ends up shaving before the next scene or before oh, yeah. he actually starts his act. Um, so there is definitely a connection there, but of course there are like polar opposites between each other where one is trying to commit an act and the other is trying to prevent it or at least prevent the, uh, you know, the death toll from rising as much mm-hmm. as he can help it. Um, ultimately, they are both unable to handle it at the end of the day too. Yep. Um, which is the saddest part of of his at least his character is you're right after a certain point you know um he talks to his mom and then ends up going off and killing himself 
in a very, yeah, like you mentioned, heartbreaking scene. So and that's also totally out of order as well. Like we mentioned the editing, uh, you brought up the editing a little bit ago, but this is one where, you know, when it switches perspectives, um, especially late into the film, it like almost, it replays certain scenes. Um, so yeah, I know this, uh, if we haven't mentioned it already, this is a film that's um, very heavy. Uh, this is, <laughs> I, I think this is one of the heavier, one of the heaviest of Denise films, if I'm not mistaken, but oh, yeah. it's definitely, uh, it definitely hits hard. <laughs> it really does. And I was also really um, surprised by um, another sh- choice that Denis made is that um, it's a very stylistic choice and he does a lot. I think one of the main strengths of this, we'll talk about how I think there's kind of a downfall to this as well. One of the main strengths is there's a lot of showing, not telling for the most part in this movie. We mostly right. just get to just live in this horrifying environment, live in this nightmare for 70 minutes. But when the when the killer finally does shoot himself, there's that shot of the killer's blood and the woman, the final woman that he shot and their blood mixes together. And mm-hmm. um, funny enough, it did remind me of this line from the Riddick video game when Riddick says, in the end, we all bleed the same, which just goes to show us that no matter, you know, what our race or gender or anything of the kind in the end we all have the same blood and it just it's a really i've used the word haunting a lot but i can't help but think of any other word except haunting is just the word to describe this of when we see their blood mixed together and yeah yeah, and, and it is it is kind of crazy because that is happening towards the end of the movie when um val is trying to have her cathartic letter writing um session and then we finally get to see what happens to the killer because you're right the story is told out of order um at first it is jarring when um jeff i i say jeff that's the american version jean is the french version um right but when he does run into that room and there's these kids just smoking and drinking and rocking out to music and they have no idea what's going on and then it just kind of cuts to this outside shot and then it shows jeff just kind of having this sorrowful rest of his days and i'm shocked because i'm like oh i guess we're not going to see what happened to the killer it really does keep you in suspense in that way and see how it all came to a resolution until the very end uh so i just really like those editing choices as well yeah one quick thing um on the shot you were talking about when the killer pulls the trigger on himself and he mm-hmm. the blood between him and the lady who's already who already shot before mixes. Um it's also interesting where they both got shot. He shot himself in the head, right? But the woman who's already on the ground has a bullet um through her heart, it looks like, through the middle of her chest. Um mm-hmm. that was an interesting detail that I saw and I was like, wow, that's uh, that's interesting from a visionary stand from a visual standpoint because you're right this is very much a visual story um more more so show not tell um so yeah very from a, a visual standpoint again great stuff and i mean he Denis is able to pack so much in so little amount of time i mean mm-hmm. and that's just something i appreciate is he doesn't put any fluff into this movie he doesn't really over elongated with a lot of stuff that we don't need. I mean, he just has the story to tell. He clearly felt that, that he needed to tell this story and he does without putting a lot in. I mean, 
So I wrote down a couple time codes here. About 45 minutes in, the shooter segment ends. And then for five minutes, we get um, Jeff's, the rest of Jeff's life. Then 50 minutes in, we cut back to the classroom and we get to see how it all played out from Valerie's perspective um, for the next 50 minutes. No, excuse me. That starts at 50 minutes. But then 10 minutes later is when it's just kind of the epilogue where Val has a new hair color. She is uh, in bed with her significant other. And then we just kind of mm -hmm. get the rest of her life from there. But that's all done in a very short amount of time. Yeah, there's a lot of wrap up to get through um, when it gets to the ending. And I, I do love this ending, too, because, you know, for all the tragedy that we have been sitting through watching for over an hour at this point, um, we get to see that, you know, while Jean, you know, ended up going down a bad route um, and a very sad route, we get to see that, you know, and this is con in contrast to what the her interview went through. We get to see how Valerie ends up becoming very successful at the everything that sh the interviewers seem to, you know, think would, you know, make her not successful. Um, mm -hmm. That of, you know, going into a field that's male dominant, um, having a family and stuff like that. So it does end while it is, for the most part, very, very much a tragedy. It does end on a very hopeful note where we do get to see how a student from the story who is fictional um, is able to move on and is still able to do great things despite the tragedy that happened um, many years ago. That is a theme from Denise three films so far is the kind of hopeful life finds a way at the end where mm -hmm. uh, her line is love has brought me a gift. And that's very interesting because the first movie is about these two people like wanting to make a baby. And then there's just kind of tragedy taken from them because they didn't appreciate each other. And then the second film is she gets an abortion and then she accidentally commits manslaughter. But then she's still able to kind of find a life after that through the tragedy. This one is the exact same way. There is this tragedy, but I like that the killer's actions isn't the final note. It isn't the main point. It is that, yeah, um, he did some horrible things, but we are still able to overcome, move on with our lives. We're not going to be ruled by that. And ultimately, she says, I'm going to teach my son to be more loving, or if I have a daughter. I thought it was kind of funny. She said, I'm going to teach her that the world is hers. <laughs> I just mm -hmm. thought that was a bit of a funny line. But you're right. And then Instead of, I thought it was really touching. Instead of the cast and crew credits at the end, at first it's the in memoriam section and it has all of their names, uh, which I thought right. was very touching. You know, this is a movie where I kind of mentioned it a second ago. Um, you know, the characters here, um, they're not anything super deep and that's also by design. Um, they're meant to be, you know, they're meant to, you're supposed to fill in yourself through these characters because this is very much an experience movie where you're meant to come in um, and just watch what happens um, and stuff. So this is a movie where... Uh, it's like I mentioned, it's very much an experienced film and not necessarily one that is, you know, super happy or anything. Um, but it's definitely one where, you know, you get to just kind of sit and then just watch how the whole thing unfolds. I think that's really interesting. You know, and of course, any 
makes the film around that, around following these characters that have, you know, certain ideas. Because like I mentioned, they're all everything everyone here is they're fictional, right? But the uh but the actual scenario itself is real. Um so that does at least open the door for Denis to have some like creative freedom in terms of making a story and having a message come out of that. So I think it's smart to follow somebody who is pushed down by the world and then pushed down even farther from an active shooter to then rise out of that and be successful. Yeah, Mallory's a good character to follow and ultimately end on her story. I will say the one thing that I was disappointed in is, as you mentioned, Alan, I was okay for most of the movie that there wasn't a whole lot of characterization because it's really not about building a connection to these characters per se, but just Mm -hmm. about relating the tragedy of these events. But for some reason, at the very end of the movie, they really try and just backload her character with all of this emotion through this really awful um, letter that she writes. Because I, I was getting her character emotions through her performance, through she's kind of waking up from this nightmare. And we could almost conceive of large portions of the movie as a nightmare if we wanted to, because we see her waking up from that. And then she's going to give birth. She has become successful. And there's a lot of emotions tied up in there that I was already getting without her sitting down, writing a letter and literally telling us about her emotions, uh, which I really was disappointed with. I thought that was totally needless. Um And she even has this weird line where she's like, he's dead, I'm alive, he's free, I'm not. I understand Mm. they're trying to give give her an insight there, but it is at the same time uh, conflicting with her emotions or at least with her outlook on life. Because after that, then she's just like, you know, I'm grateful I'm alive, I'm going to have a child, I'm so happy. But she's not free? I don't know. I, I really think they're trying to do too much here in this letter. Um, it, it kind of messes it up, unfortunately. Um, it's really not needed. Um, a couple other of my negatives are, I think some of the line delivery is perfunctory. It's just kind of, it's just kind of out there. You know, it's just like they're reading a line. I don't think the acting is that great in some sequences, especially mm-hmm. Jeff's mom. Her line delivery is awful. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is because this is... Um, what we saw was the English version, um, and they were definitely French. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I don't that's, remember that's because it's been a number of years since I've watched Polytechnique, so I don't recall too much of the acting. Um, I remember being good, but I remember a whole lot. Yeah, I think there is a very strong possibility that the English version, some of it takes a hit. I can definitely understand their English is very they speak it very well, but mm-hmm. I just don't think they can deliver the lines probably as well as they could with their native language. And so I think that also makes some of the acting come out in a weird way. So it's just not as high a caliber as acting that I was expecting, honestly, because um, August 32nd and Maelstrom, I think the acting and line delivering is far better in both of those movies than it is here. I think it's honestly, I couldn't help but think when Valerie is going to her job and um, she's like looking with the other engineers at the airplane model, it just felt like one of those depression commercials where the person Mm. is going through life and there's narration over it and you see them like going into their job, but they look kind of discontented and confused. And then all of a sudden they take their pill 
and life is so much brighter and better. It it was like exactly that watching that. I don't know if that thought popped into your head at all. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I can I can see it, but I <laughs> didn't have it. Didn't have that same thought when I was watching, but I can I can see it. The only thing that frustrated me that wasn't um, not about the movie, but I just couldn't help but note it was how cowardly like everybody was in this movie except for jeff who actually seemed to do something now possibly somebody in other parts of the school was doing something as well but for pete's sake the teacher is like rushing the boys out of the school not chivalrous at all just letting the women just abandoning the women in the classroom and we see uh what else was there oh the killer is walking down the hallways openly with a firearm Guys see him with the firearm. They just walk on by. And so I think there's, I think Denis is showing us a couple of these scenes on purpose just to probably hopefully instill in people somewhat bravery, somewhat courage to act or at least band together and not just, you know, look out for your own self in the end, because ultimately that's what happened. And that's where the tragedy comes in is when people don't do anything instead of people banding together to take down the one guy because there's always more than there's always more people on the good side than on the bad side in these situations. So I think Denis was probably showing that on purpose because I couldn't help but notice the killer could freely walk through that school with a firearm. People wouldn't say anything. It was sh shocking. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. And I know that at least here in America, I, I don't know what the policy is for like an active shooter on site or on campus in um in Montreal, especially in 1989, mm -hmm. I know when I was in elementary school, I, I think we had a few drills in high school. Um, the what we'd always do is the we would lock the door, shut off the lights, everyone would hide in the corner. Mm -hmm. um, yep. That was what we were supposed to do, right? Um, until we knew that it was safe to come out, right? That was that was what was what was supposed to happen. Of course, this is a very different situation. Um, this happened many years ago. Um, this happened in a school that's not exactly uh, an elementary school. So yeah, I, I don't know what the actual procedure is for uh, something like this in Canada. Um, or even on like a campus that is, you know, higher education than an elementary school. Um, because I didn't even know what the procedure was when I was in college for if there was an active shooter on campus, I knew that there were things for it, like, you know, stuff in the handbook, but mm -hmm. I didn't know. I don't know what, mm -hmm. what to do if someone were to walk in the building. So other than run. So other than run, I've the, yeah, I will say if the shooter is on the ground loading his bullets, then it's, you could probably tackle him or charge him or something, especially since he's in such a vulnerable position. I mean, that idiot, when um, Val's looking out the window, he's watching him load his gun and he just kind of stands there and looks at him. And then, I mean, there's multiple opportunities, honestly, for people to just take this shooter out very easily, you know, because he wasn't shooting the men. He would walk by the men and... All of a sudden, the shooter now has his back to you. People could have came up from behind and tackled him. It was just shocking and very frustrating. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I know that from what I've heard, um, when there's an active shooter, uh, a, approaching him at any time is kind of a bad idea, um, even if he is in the middle of reloading his weapon, um, to minimize casualties or deaths in that situation. Uh, 
So that's just what I would say. Clearly, clearly we're not giving actual advice on what to do. No, no. That's up to your own conscience. I was just saying how in the movie, so many times people would nonchalantly walk by him or he would walk by them. And I Mm. think it's just kind of this also depicting this culture of just look out for yourself. And even if somebody is getting hurt, people will just stand by and pull out their cell phones and film it instead of actually stand up and do something. It's just, but Denise doing a great job of creating these feelings within us. Clearly I had these feelings while watching it. So mission accomplished. That's clearly what he was looking for. But I am curious, Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for, especially because this movie is so heavy? I'm curious, what is your rating and recommendation for Polytechnique? If we haven't mentioned it already, or if you haven't picked <laughs> up yet already, this is a extremely heavy film. Uh, I mean, it, it deals with a school shooting that is something that really happened. Um, all of the events um, are things that did actually take place. Um, while the characters may be fictitious, um, it's not something that... It, I know that this was um, approved by those who were in the situation. So I, I know that there is at least a grain of truth in here. Um, and of course, I'm sure there's much more. But that aside, um, this is a movie that is hard to watch. Um, it's it's one that, you know, I remember watching back uh, in college, not really knowing what to what to think. I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect coming into it. Um, and I left kind of like, oh, I... I guess I didn't really know what I was expecting. Um, I guess, you know, this is not really what I would consider Denis to do. Uh, but in some ways, that's a really good thing because it, you know, it keeps you on your toes. It at least says something different than what he is known for doing. While it is so heavy, is not, you know, what he's what he does later on. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven. Um I'm struggling if I should give it a recommend or not. I think it's a great film from a good director um, with what he was able to do. So I think I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to give it a mild recommend because it is just that heavy. And it's also kind of hard to get your hands on. Um, So yeah, seven out of 10, mild recommend for me. Polytechnique is a beautifully shot, beautifully told true story tragedy. From the first shot, the black and white detaches us from reality. It serves three purposes. First, to create the feelings of a memory. Second, to create the dread of a nightmare. And third, to portray the bleakness of the event. Mixed together, these three give us this feeling this could never happen in our real-life colorized world. Yet, out of nowhere, we're jarred into the fact that this is really happening. By starting us off with the killer's perspective... We foremost understand his demented mindset, and by the time the film concludes with Val's letter, that depression the killer has resigned to, we are given the hope that parents will do better raising their children with love and understanding for their fellow human beings, in the hopes to create a better world where this senseless carnage won't happen again. Despite being a slim 77 minutes, the pacing is perfect. Denis takes his time establishing atmosphere. Gratefully, most of the time, characters' feelings are shown, not told. Except, unfortunately, at the end, Val's letter tells us her feelings that were already present in her performance. This isn't an easy movie to watch. 
In fact, Denis does such a fine job of infusing every shot with dread that even after the credits roll and we're given that hopeful ending, I'm still shaken. It's honorable that Denis made this film to immortalize the lives that were tragically lost, even though the impact is slightly lessened by the ham-fisted message at the end. Of his first three films, Polytechnique is probably his best from a technical standpoint. He doesn't have sole writing credit here, and it's a non-fiction story, so I am missing his creative wit from August 32nd, so it's somewhat hard to compare, but I am eking it out above the previous two. Polytechnique receives 7 stars out of 10, with a recommend. Yeah, for this, so far in this retrospective, it's always been, I'd give it a 7, you'd <laughs> give it a 6 for the first two. That's and right, we both finally seven. handed out the same grade for the first time. Alan has straight 7s. I broke with tradition. I just handed out my mm -hmm. first seven. And we'll see We'll see what happens with the later films. Um, because Incendies is next week. And I've seen that one, and you haven't. And like we were already talking about, like I kind of mentioned last week too, uh, we're not out of this heavy films of oh. the knee just yet. Oh, got great. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to Incendies though because according to audiences this is his best film. Yeah, this is the one that really put him on the map. Um this one and Prisoners which would happen after this. Um but I think as a foreign director this is and especially one in Canada this is when everyone was like, "Whoa." And paid attention to him. So yeah. We'll see what our thoughts are next week. I'm really curious and return to it. So Corbin is Polytechnique if you have, if you could find it, that is, would it be a pickup or would it be a pass? If I could find it, I would definitely pick this one up on Blu-ray. It's not one that I would return to often, but I think it's one that I would like to have in my collection. Honestly, really just for the technical aspects, just for, just to revisit that cinematography, revisit how he shoots, no pun intended, how the school is shot with the camera. And how yeah. that all comes together, I think, uh, is really well done. So I'd like to have it, especially for that reason. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely with you. I think that if I could get this on Blu-ray, I probably would. I know that's hard to get your hands on, but mm -hmm. I would very much enjoy having this in my collection. So what recommendations would you have after watching Polytechnique? I think this one's a bit of a hard question. It's a hard question, but I do have a recommendation. I'm going to be recommending the 2016 interestingly creative documentary Tower, which actually you actually turned me on to that one, Alan. Yeah, I remember. I that's that's a that's a good recommendation. I might steal that too. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a. I really enjoy that film. For me, I'm also going to recommend Tower. I'm also going to say Mommy. Um, that's a film that. Uh, it was released not too long ago, um, but it's one that deals with, you know, a, a kid who is very much on not 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 the same. This is a completely different thing, not, not a school shooter or anything like that. Um, but it does deal with a kid who is very reckless um, and is a son from a lady um, who has kind of had to move away from him. So very interesting story. I really enjoy it. Um, it has some similar vibes or both foreign language, um, very different subject matter, but yeah, I do actually own both of those on Blu-ray. I do. I just recently got tower and I've owned mommy for a while. Um, so if I can ever find, you know, polytechnique on Blu-ray, I want to get it. 
Alright listeners, well the question after the show, um, this one was a hard one to come up with. Um, I guess if you're, if you were an American, have you heard of this? Um, or maybe somebody who's outside of, of Canada, Montreal. Yeah, I wonder how, you know, if they've heard of this. That's like the only question I can think of, um, for something like this. I don't know really what to, what would be appropriate to ask. I think that's a good question. I'm curious to know how many of our listeners have heard of this before. I'm guessing not a lot, but you never know. I mean, especially our listeners outside of Canada. And I guess we could even ask even a further question. If you do live in Canada, primarily the area where, you know, the province where this took place, what did you learn about it? Does it still have an impact on your society today? Just tell us your experience with it. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Corbin, thank you for joining me. Sure thing. All right, listeners, we will be back next week with Incendies. Um, So we'll see you then, listeners. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Other people find our podcast a lot easier just by taking two seconds to give us five stars. Okay. Sorry. Amateur hour. My phone just went off.